Well, thank you for digging up and thawing out this podcast, Happy Times and Places, which is a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary. I've asked a friend to choose a story, to watch it and select their favourite things about it. I have to watch the episodes and see if I can guess what those favourite things are. Hello, Toby Hayden. Uh, my name's Chris Chapman and I, what do I do? I make documentaries for the Doctor Who range for the blu-ray collections at the moment and the dvds before that uh, i'm recording for you some things about a doctor who story called the seeds of doom well welcome back to happy times and places uh, i as you heard have invited chris chapman who makes some splendid doctor who dvd and blu-ray extras and is a lovely jolly chap is chris uh, and he has chosen The Seeds of Doom, which is a personal favourite of mine. So uh, it's no chore to uh, watch this and choose some of my favourite things about it. So I don't know if you're ready, but uh, I hope you are. And we are going to press play in three, two, one. Um, and the received wisdom when this story was going about was that um well you know was that was that this you know this is that very robert holmesy thing i know he didn't write this of of, of having a four-parter with a two-parter attached um so you know that the, the the drama shifts after part four uh, and, and goes somewhere else whereas actually this the the, the shift is is this, this these first two parts are sort of like a prequel and you could dispense with the the, the, the antarctic stuff if, if you if you wanted to but i think it would be a, a lesser story without it uh and you know it comes to quite a sh shocking conclusion that this all of this stuff that's been so well established you don't you don't see you know beyond uh beyond the end of this episode and you know the, the first of those characters we've we've met mobily is now is now dead um uh and and it's just nice little touches that camfield does look at that they're looking straight at the camera i think a, a primord occasionally looks at the camera in uh in inferno and i think that's quite daring because the primords are the best looking doctor who monsters but that's just a a lovely sort of chilling moment um and this uh, 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 have, have, having uh, John Chalice here as Scorby, you know, having a a villain who could be from the Sweeney as as a kid watching Doctor Who, and you know, often the villains in Doctor Who are quite theatrical and quite plummy, and uh, um, and you you, you know, the, the, there's and um, um, and when there are working class or regional characters they're quite often you know sort of west country cliches or whatever you know they, it's not very often you get a, 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 a you know working class is, is often uh, a, a, an indication of sort of comic relief or simplicity which is you know partially to do with the way that television was at the time and, and the way that characters were used in drama so so it's not just a 
you know, s- s- something appropriate to talk to. The, uh, the, I love the way that he does that line, Mark Jones, where he says, I want to know exactly what you're planning. Written down, that's, I want to know exactly what you're planning, but he decides to make it the beginning of a, of a list um, and, and, and that gets interrupted, which is just such a clever and interesting little acting choice. And I love the way that when, when uh, Scorby here starts to tell him his plan, he's, he's credulous at first. He's going, oh, OK, I'm, I'm listening to what you're doing. OK, he's, he, you know, he's very sincere and he's very straight. Uh, it, Mark Jones as Keeler is one of the great unsung, I would say probably the most undersung performance in the whole of, of classic who uh it's it's a character that on paper would be sniveling could be slightly annoying uh i think mark jones is brilliant he's constantly makes the character more interesting than he needs to be and i also buy him as somebody that's not particularly robust that's a great that the 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 the, the triple cut uh instead of being a zoom onto the dead mobily the fact that it cuts that way is is is, is somehow more shocking uh uh and and Sarah is so capable, you know. There's no, there's no. She's not snivelling here. She can, you know, she's seen death and she can take it, um, which is again much more interesting. Uh, and this is great, isn't it? This is fantastic. Again, Jeffrey Bergen's music, which is so atmospheric uh, and spare, all that sort of fluting stuff. Uh, I'd love to have had more music from him. And I remember when the DVD came out, I think he died the week that the DVD of this came out. So it was nice that he's actually on the uh, on the commentary. And I know that Mark Jones had, was ill. Oh, this is brilliant. The grotesque parody of the human form. That is wonderful stuff. Uh, and, and all that stuff, you know, we must destroy what he has become, which is done as a voiceover over the shadow of the, 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 the mutating beast, Oh, it's, I mean, it's judged so well. Um, it makes it, 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 it makes it, you know, dr- dramatic. This, you know, this is, this is atmospheric, high quality sci-fi drama. Um, I, you know, I love the fact that Doctor Who is suitable for children and it's family friendly and it's often cosy and fun. But I also love it when it's, when it really decides to go, no, we're, 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 you know, we're we're full on high drama proper grown up sci fi, uh, despite the fact we're on a, you know, low budget in a kid slot. Um, absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. M- 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 uh, oh and yes, and of course now you d- you don't really need to have uh, Harrison Chase in this episode, but you have to have him because he's the main he's the main baddie. So. This isn't really telling us anything uh, we don't need to know, but the, the, you've got the light there because they're standing in front of a fire. Um, you've got you've got um, Dunbar's conscience starting to prick. You're showing how ruthless uh, Harrison Chase is, and he's sort of wonderfully impassive, isn't he? Um, Policeman, a few and far between in Antarctica. I never considered Arisa Chase when I was young as, as being a, a camp, but he is a bit camp, isn't he? But it kind of, it works. It works. And I love that. I always take care of my employees. He's talking to a, you know, a, a high-ranking officer of state here, but he's just like, you're just a grubby little criminal like anybody else. Um, and this set is wonderful and the lighting is terrific. 
Um, and this is brilliant because they they sort of go, let's attempt to give, let's attempt to give uh, uh, Dunbar a little bit of, uh, of of character motivation here. He's going, oh, I've I've seen time-serving non-entities promoted in my place. <laughs> Chase goes, yes, it must be terribly galling. It's just like, yeah, I suppose we had to, you know, the script's always saying we had to give you a reason, but we don't really care. <laughs> and it's so he's so wonderfully disdainful of it. Uh, <laughs> you want money and I want that pod oh it's so beautiful it's so good and this is an axon painted green but it works um, and oh, ironically I had this on yes I had this on, v- on the same VHS tape as I had the claws of Axos so I had every contribution of this particular costume to Doctor Who um, uh, yeah it's uh and and you know this is this is nice laying laying the seeds aha uh-huh, for what's going to happen at the end of the episode you know you've got the you've 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 got the generator over there i oh it's i don't like this at all because it's so destructive <laughs> um you know don't don't touch that it's valuable and he and he smashes it um, he's so good, John Chalice. Um, he was a nice man too, um, uh, and and you know quite happy to talk about Doctor. Who. And he, he ended up living in not far from the town I, I I grew up in. So when I interviewed him for my Who's Round, it was when I'd gone to visit my mum, uh, bless him, uh, uh, John Chalice. And he died last year. Um, he'd been poorly, but uh, but was you know was still engaging and doing things and i think he went went quite quickly which is very sad um uh, he doesn't always flick the switch on the radio um in, in time with the static but uh i'll forgive him uh, and i i love all of this interaction with 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 keeler being a bit nervous and him shoving him away um and, and what I what I actually like about this is that is that he doesn't convince the guy at the other end, so he thinks, oh, no, never mind, I'll knack it anyway. Um, that's much better than a sort of I'll pretend to be the person that I'm not, and and they'll buy it. Uh, and now it's night time as well, so it's all dark. So you've got the Antarctic, and you've got night time. Uh, I think this stuff all really works. Interesting because Chris has just said at episode one he doesn't think the the outside stuff's done especially well. I I I think I would prefer it to be on film just because I think film looks better. But uh, actually, I don't think it particularly harms the seeds of doom because Douglas Camfield is such a good director, and even things like the little prop of the pod is excellent. Um, um, but but this is you know this is great storytelling you know the, the the fact that they come in pairs means that we can you know we can have an initial outbreak that gets to as we see you know uh, bipedal man size and then gets blown up at the end of the episode which means that then when we get the next one we have that again and then it, it escalates Winlet uh, no longer you know as a man no longer exists so he's 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 really detached and alien I like it. Um, and, and yeah, Hubert Reese here, lovely Welsh actor. He's so delightful as Captain Ransom in the War Games, uh, and he's good as the Chief Engineer in Fury from the Deep. But I, and I, I love the Doctor's sort of impatient. You know, the, he's he's got this whirring cogs of intelligence zooming around much faster than than our brains can ever do, and you get the impression that he's, you know, you know, he's he's got to the conclusion that's far too dangerous 
uh, for us to contemplate. And he's already there, so he hasn't really got time to explain it to us. And he's already sort of weighing up the consequences of the the, the end of the world. You know, he did. He, uh, you know, he doesn't. He hasn't got the the time and doesn't want to impart that uh, to to the sort of slow humans who are, <laughs> who he is compassionate for on a on a uh, you know on, on on a vast scale um and 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 he obviously you know we're we're quite his favorite species but but also you know we are frustratingly slow on the uptake and don't know as much as him and i i i rather like that um and this stuff's great um and and you know keela react in fact they both react you know even scorby who's Obviously, you, you know, some, we need the impression that he's he's used to death. That's the man who, yeah, I know, I, I like that. Just that Keeler's reaction to seeing a dead body is is quite realistic. He's not reacting like somebody in a in a drama who sees a dead body, where you know these things are, you know, if, if you know, normal human beings see death so infrequently, it's a, you know, it's a it's a pretty, you know, horrendous thing. But quite often in drama, people sort of take it in their stride. And I like just that little that little moment of him going it's, hang on that's the guy that let us in which says so much and i love this scene um uh i i love you know the, t t tom baker's kind of he's not undermining the danger although he kind of is but it's just like oh god these guys who are you know playing completely straight and so they are obviously dangerous the doctor is you know being you know, trying to puncture the sense of danger with his sense of humour, but also that sort of exhalation he does when when the gun is pulled on him from behind is a kind of oh god, you know, you know this is a petty squabble compared to what's going on. Whatever these guys want, whether it's money or whatever it is, is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to deal with. But I'm going to have to deal with this, and he never underestimates. You know, the the reason he's you know keeping this bubbling under the way that he is because he's obviously slightly you know he's, he's, he's slightly chewing there he does it it's like he's got something some gristle in his mouth to sort of show uh you know this is this is a tough situation but he's he's mindful of the fact that if he pushes this too far sarah will be in danger uh and and it's a tightrope that he walks tom baker but by god he's good at it because you you he could play it like this and and, and actually it it, it it would it would ruin the hard work of these other two actors if if you know the petty criminal nature of what Scorby and Keeler are doing compared to the the, the worldwide threat of the crinoid uh, you know if the doctor was too glib about it we wouldn't take them seriously but everybody's working so hard that it 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 it, it, it doesn't uh, ever underestimate that and this stuff is uh you know, I, t I you totally buy um, Scorby, and that's and I lo I love the way that Sarah joins in there with the house that Jack built. That even though she's terrified, she can afford that little moment where she bonds with the Doctor verbally because you can sort of have it's sort of gallows humour, isn't it? Uh, and and the way that Keeler is in the background here, being a bit nervous, uh, and I love the way the Doctor talks talks to Scorby like he's a bit of a simpleton he, you know he patronizes them almost like children um and that's that's great that alien life for me delivers it like it's a joke um uh but but you know John Chalice who is well known in this country as 
Boise, the second-hand car salesman. Uh, I think I think Chalice is absolutely uh, believable as this. As I say, he's, he's like a villain from the Sweeney. Um, uh, and I, I like that Stevenson has so many good moments in this uh, where, you, you know, he's he's only a sort of fussy little scientist, but uh, he, he's, the, he's got the sort of hero role, although he makes an utter balls up here where he says they haven't got the second pod, have they, or, or, or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, nobody can nobody can help that. It's we, we need it, I suppose. If, if it's if it's a, a mistake, it's not a mistake of the actor. It's it's a it's a it's a mistake of the script, really, that that they make him him giving it away. So obvious. But the actors sort of smooth it over, especially Tom Baker, who is, you know, immediately pissed off with him and then contemptuous of Scorby. Um, and then the real intensity here of the of the guns and I like the fact that uh you know Stevenson again who is a sort of minor character to an extent he could have been the one that went oh all right, all right it's in the freezer but no they let him have his little moment of, of heroism and it's and it's when Scorby threatens Sarah and actually you know there are certain villains in Doctor Who who probably would spare Sarah or or you know would would be you, you would you would think well they're never going to shoot the female character in the face uh whereas you absolutely believe that Scorby will and that that's you know it's pre- it's pretty horrible and i love the way that mark jones holds the gun here and the, the way that the doctor says you're all right with us we won't hurt you oh it's it's all really really good and i i, I like this interaction that these two have as well where um you know they actually have quite a reasonable conversation um I, I, you know, I totally believe this, 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 this interaction, um, and it, you know, it, and it, and it, and it, and it, and it has Stevenson supplying Scorby with some information that he that he really, really needs. Um, it's, it's, it's been said that this is, you know, not like a Doctor. Who. In fact, I'm sure I've read somewhere somebody saying if you like the Seeds of Doom, you're not a proper Doctor Who fan. Well, okay then. Thanks for that. What a lofty position to take. How dare anybody say it to anybody. <laughs> You're not a proper Doctor Who fan if you like a particular Doctor Who story. And also, why would anybody care what another Doctor Who fan likes or doesn't like about Doctor Who? That's that's suggesting that, that, that there's a certain way to be a Doctor Who fan and any other way is, is completely unacceptable. Oh, get in the sea. Um, oh, no, all right, I'm not a proper Doctor Who fan then, despite uh, anything I might have done t- to prove to the contrary. Uh, I love the seeds of doom. Although, you know, yes, it is. It 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 it, it does fit slightly uneasily into the canon, into the way that it does a certain number of things. But you know, the, the Doctor at its best presents us with stories that are uh, are, are, are are fresh uh, yet comfortable. You know, Doctor Who. I'm, try, I'm trying to write a podcast now about how how, how we uh, how how we deal with change as Doctor Who fans, um, because we we like it the way that it is, but but also celebrate the fact that it's very very different. So so change is very difficult to deal with, um, and, and I think we you know we like it when it's familiar yet different. And this is you know this is familiar in a lot of the ways of the 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 Hinchcliffe stuff. It 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 has that commitment to sort of realism and what Hinchcliffe calls muscular storytelling. Yet it does have an Avengers-ish quality about it, with particularly Harrison Chase, the sort of plant-loving baddie. 
but but you know he is he is contrasted with the fact that his his sidekick is a is a genuine heavy from a sort of gangster film and completely plausible top work from john chalice which uh, 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 but, uh, but then his sniveling sidekick uh so i love the i love the way uh keeler does and, and tom baker's score will be there you know he's absolutely furious um you know and that's that's the beauty of the the doctor and sarah's thing is that is that the doctor can afford to be sort of glib and powerful and almost untouchable as he is in places because his vulnerability is the fact that you know that he doesn't want anything bad to happen to 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 sarah um and and that's the undercurrent of danger that he's watchful of it's almost like he's watching out of the corner of his eye as he's improvising with his you know obtuse glib sense of humor um and his you know sort of underlying gutsy sort of element of physical threat that he has that he's just always watchful that he's got his his vulnerable friend who is not some simpering idiot she you know she proves herself to be capable but she's she's all also going to be the one that is picked on by the by the pushy men i i love all of this you know she she knows to try and appeal to to, to Keeler and he sort of d- desperately wants to help but he sort of knows that he hasn't got it in him and that is so sad that he probably imagines being ter- terribly brave but he but he can't do it and again those characters are so often annoying simpering weak often actually quite badly played because they're hard to play well Mark Jones now I think John Chalice is good but I'm not surprised by John Chalice because it's it's a well written part. Those parts are, you know, a, a, a staple of drama that are often done very well because we've got actors that can pull it off. But that's that's of no criticism of John Chalice at all. I think he's excellent, and I love the way he goes Arnold and pushes him. That's so real. That's such a lovely touch. But I think Mark Jones has has a really tough job, uh, and on on paper, I don't, I, you know, I I don't th- I don't think Keeler has nearly as much about him as as mark jones gives to him um uh, it's it really is one of the best performances in in all of doctor who not just because it's good but but because of what it could have been um and, and the i think these two work brilliantly and i love this fight scene i love the fact that he tries and he tries to do a punch and it's deliberately a, a terrible pu- it's deli- you know it's deliberately a bad punch but it's not comedically a bad punch he doesn't he doesn't act it as though it's a bad punch and and then he he can't even face her um and is it earlier that he ties them up and he says sorry (laughs) which i think is so sweet uh and scorby is just so harsh (laughs) cold um i think i think it's brilliant um and you know stevenson looks like he's gonna be uh uh the you know their their main ally for this story you know he's setting up to be the uh you know yeah the 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 the, the story's you know heroic sidekick but actually i think he's just had his last piece of dialogue hasn't he um uh and i remember being quite surprised when i read the episode guide that this you know the blowing up of the base was the was the cliffhanger oh no he's still got a couple of lines um uh so yeah so stevenson having you know looked like he was uh in it in it for the duration he gets he gets killed off uh some stock footage of an airplane there um uh 
but you know that the, yeah the fact that the cliffhanger is the is the base blowing up um is is not just the oh you know is, is the doctor and sarah been caught up in that because we we can't haven't really but it's it sort of brings this you know this part of the story to a close and 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 you know we, we like the fact i like the fact that we know stevenson's dead but the doctor doesn't so actually the reason they put themselves in danger at the end of the episode is is to go and save a man who's already who's already dead um and i suppose as far as the doctor is concerned you know St- stevenson might have survived the crinoid he got, he got blown up um uh but this is you know this is this is ter- and she acts so well doesn't she even that you know yeah I, my hands are in pain because i've been i've been tied up um but this is this is fantastic um and that's the end of uh, crinoid number 1 uh, <laughs> and uh, and i think that's a, that that quarry dressed as the antarctic is really really well done actually and you know cuz you you can't see the joins really and 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 uh and there we go. Wonderful model. So much better than CGI. I love that. Look at that. Each little spark. Oh, what a fantastic two episodes of Doctor Who. And look at this. Single caption credits for everyone, which on my video that I had would shrink because it was Super Channel and I was so cross that Satellite Channel shrunk the credits and now everybody does it i mean you know i remember seeing it on satellite channels and thinking oh well at least you know proper terrestrial television doesn't do that because it's hugely disrespectful uh, and now everywhere does it and the world is a much worse place as a result <laughs> jeffrey bergen superb oh uh, richard conway was a superb special effects guy i was reading about him today in an article by sarah polly about working with uh, terry gilliam and uh, richard conway apologized to her about um uh, some of the things she was put through on Baron Munchausen. It's uh, I, I, and I didn't expect him to turn up in the article. Uh, and it's a really interesting article. It's a, I think it's a part of her um, autobiography that they've they've put a bit of uh, in in the Guardian. And in fact, I saw it tweeted by Chris Chapman, who uh, is our guest. So it all ties up. Uh, that's not why I mentioned it. Uh, but anyway, uh, oh oh, what's my favourite thing about episode two? Well, look, I, I mean, I have to, I mean, the cast is uniformly good, but I, I have to, I have to single out Mark Jones just because he's not talked about enough. I think it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant performance for all the things that I said. Um, and, it, and it was the biggest surprise for me, I think. I think, uh, you know, I think, as I say, John Chalice was exactly as I uh, imagined he would be and and, and Often Doctor Who failed to live up to my imagination, so that's as I say, that's not a that's not to criticise Chalice, who is brilliant uh, and he fits it like a glove, and he's absolutely perfect. But Mark Jones was such a such a surprise that of all the characters to 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 make an impact, he would have been the last, I thought, um, or or maybe Dun- Dunbar as well. And Kenneth Gil- Gilbert's brilliant as well, but um, so I think. I mean, but I love, I mean, I, I love that, I love that scene. Turn around, Doctor, facing this way, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, he had perfect pitch. Uh, what happened to him? Oh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, oh, he died. All of that, I mean, that's a wonderful scene. I love that scene. And the Doctor's reaction to, to Scorby when it's, oh, it's a bloke with a gun. But, and yet that doesn't, 
that doesn't downplay the drama at all. It's so well judged. It's on a on a, 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 a you know it's pin sharp. It's pin sharp. Um, but I I I think I have to, and, and partially because I think I, I I this is one I don't want to be chosen, so I can't choose it. I remember it happened with Seeds of Death. I put Fushim off for too long that then when Fushim got chosen, I then couldn't choose Fushim and I felt like I'd let Fushim down uh, and Terry Scully. I don't want to let Mark Jones down. I never had the pleasure. As I say, he was very, he was poorly when they were doing the DVD. I wasn't involved in the DVD, actually. I was doing commentaries at that point, but uh, they, they they didn't need me for that one. They didn't, they didn't have... Uh, moderators on Tom Baker commentaries so uh, it's a shame because I, I love the seeds of doing it. it's not a shame I got to I could say that about any story <laughs> not, but, but uh, I'm lucky to have been involved in as many as I was but uh, I I yeah I, I seeds of doom is a I mean this is one of my 10 out of 10s this is my you know this is this is this is some days this might even be my favorite story um anyway uh so I'll choose Mark Jones as Arnold Keeler, but but also, but 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 with within that all that sort of Scorpion Keeler stuff. That that can I say within that the scene with with the Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, but Keeler doesn't really do anything in that. But the fight as well, the fight is so good. That pathetic little punch, the Arnold and the shove. Um, but I'm going to see it. Mark Jones as Arnold Keeler, uh, just because he does something special with you know, with a part that could be anything but um, but there's so much in that that I love it's such a good episode of Doctor Who what's Chris chosen uh, episode two of the seeds of doom episode two uh, which is still set on the uh, on the snowy base uh, and things are getting worse because there's a crinoid on the loose and uh, and and I'm sure like a lot of people I, I I'm a big fan of the crinoid costume which is a reuse of the the axon costume uh, from Clause of Axos, but but you know, but modified quite heavily. I think it works so well as a kind of mutated man figure silhouette. You know, it's so perfect, and and admittedly, I think an, a nicer fit than when the crinoid gets bigger at the end of that. And and again, uh, well, I wanted to pick a moment that I love in episode two. And and again, I think I think the lovely thing about ep two is is that is that there's a real danger and an edge to episode two a lot of that comes from john chalice and i and i think you might pick john chalice here because i know you have a love for the british character actor and as well you should and chalice comes into a story playing scorby uh where you know it could be fairly silly and bank stewart uh has a wonderful turn of phrase but also there were kind of there were, there were kind of fun campy avengers-esque elements to the seeds of doom but scorby walks through it like a real <laughs> well he's a mercenary and he says he's been in the middle east and africa and 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 he he's he's tough and he feels like he's injecting real danger into this potentially daft story uh and 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 it, he's a real threat to the doctor but i'm not going to pick john chalice or scorby himself for episode two i'm going to pick a particular moment uh which might, which always makes me cry and is might be one of my favorite moments in doctor who and kind of sums up something very special, I think, about the Doctor's relationship with other people and relationship with his companions, and particularly his relationship with Sarah Jane Smith, who he loves. Uh, and that is the scene when uh, uh, when when I when Tom and Liz 
and uh, the scientist that I've completely forgotten who, but who's also the chief from Fury from the Deep. You'll know him straight away. But but when he, the, the three of them are tied up in the base and Scorby wants answers and you've got a great performance from Chalice, but he, first of all, uh, threatens, he has a gun, which feels very real in Doctor Who to have just a handgun and point it point blank at people. But he wants information from the Doctor, so he points the gun at the Doctor's head and that's not going to work and the doctor just kind of shrugs at that uh, and then in just one camera move where the camera kind of drifts between the, with the gun between these heads Scorby moves the gun to the head of the scientist uh, and again the doctor doesn't doesn't give in which is brutal in a way because the scientist it seems like a lovely guy that they've made a connection with the doctor's prepared to let Scorby essentially kill this guy uh, which is that alien quality I think. And then you can see what Scorby's thinking and how he's working it out because he knows that when he moves his gun to Sarah Jane Smith's head, that this is checkmate for the doctor because uh, you get this lovely moment where Sarah Jane and Liz playing her, uh, Sarah Jane's being trying to be brave and kind of initially. It just sits there with a the gun next to her, held up against her head, and then she turns quite upset to the doctor. I think just not not sure herself if he will let it happen. And the doctor, uh, of course, cracks and and gives in and tells Scorby everything he needs to know. And there's something about the doctor being put in that position of his best friend having a gun to her head, and and of course he won't let that happen. But the the way that they both play it, Tom and Liz, is so beautiful and so. Uh, it, it just makes me cry every every time I watch it. And I think part of that is that the danger's been properly instilled in the story. And we really believe that Chalice, that Scorby means it and that he would he would do it. Uh, but seeing that Sarah being brave, the doctor, <laughs> the doctor ultimately, in, there's no way that he can let his friend die like that. So I, I, I find that incredibly moving. Uh, so that's my favourite bit of episode two. Ah, good choice. Um, and... Yes, um, uh, uh, it is wonderful. It's funny, I hadn't interpreted, you know, the gun at Stevenson's head being the doctor going, oh, it's all right, you can shoot him. I, I interpreted that as a hero moment for Stevenson going, I'm not going to tell you what I know because I'll sacrifice myself. But I uh, hadn't thought of the dimension of it being the doctor because then the doctor, it's the doctor who cracks when the gun is, is pointed at Sarah. So yeah, the, 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 the two blokes will get a bullet, but, uh, but uh, threaten, threaten Sarah. And that's what makes the doctor crack. That's very interesting. And it is, as, as he says, you know, a pistol to the face is pretty grim. And, and there's a, there's a sort of way that um, Chalice handles the gun like a professional as well, in contrast to the way that, um, Mark Jones holds his at arm's length. That is, it is that that again really sells it. Uh, it's it's really strong pair of episodes. Um, yeah, uh, could you tell I like this story? <laughs> I hope you do too. Um, so that's brought an end to everything that's going on in the Antarctic, uh, and the story will continue uh, for another four episodes, and uh, it will continue to be rather splendid piece so um do come and join me for the next installment but uh, until then happy times and places to you all and thanks very much to chris chapman goodbye
Thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. Thanks to my special guest, Chris Chapman, who can be found on Twitter at ChrisChapman81 because he has 81 DVDs. No, I think it's born in 1981. Thanks are also due to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible by nurturing them in their greenhouses and watering them and, I was going to say, covering them with manure, but there's plenty of manure in these podcasts already. Anyway, those those green-fingered patrons include Andrew Wilson, Andrew Willis, Michael Williams, Rich Wiggins, Adam Westwood, Gary Wales, Apollo C. Vermouth, Chris Williams, Aaron Gullias, Tim Jolly, Andrew Jolly, Ollie Barrett, Keith Adams, Steve O'Brien, David Bickley, Gareth Bowley, Joe McLachlan, Ian Radford, Paul Gregory, and Nigel Bromley and Dylan Reese together at last. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Um, so, listen, if you would like to join those patrons named there, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Getting a name check as part of the deal. So is getting access to advance releases, to bonus material. There's a whole podcast called Too Much Information, which only patrons get. There are also interviews uh, from my archive, uh, many of them never released before. Uh, some of them released only you know, partially, and instead uh, I've been whacking out the whole things. So there's all sorts of exclusives there at my Patreon, which starts for as little as £3 a month, and you get uh, about three releases a week. That doesn't include the pictures of my dog. They're sort of fourth bonus one. Uh, they're actually a bit more popular than some of the stuff that involves me. But anyway, it may be that my dog is of no interest to you, and I think that's perfectly reasonable if you were drawn to these by the Doctor Who content. But there's uh, three releases a week uh, of Doctor Who content uh, for, as, as I say, as little as £3 a month. There are higher tiers. Most stuff is available at the lowest tier because uh, I would feel bad withholding anything but there are a couple of there are a couple of extra little bits and bobs sprinkled as you ascend the tier ladder but uh, yeah for three pounds you get pretty much everything and you also get a 10 percent discount on that three pound or indeed any tier um if uh, you sign up for a, a year in advance so all i need is your commitment for a total year and you get a 10 percent discount and believe me it will fly by because i've been doing these for nearly two years now and i can't quite believe that has happened um i if you don't want to commit to the monthly thing i understand that you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash toby haydoke and help to keep these ad free um and free at the point of contact and all this yes that's it toby compare your podcasts to the nhs <laughs> yeah where were my rounds of applause uh, every thursday at 8 p.m for the, for the for the doctor who factoids i was whacking out at the height of the pandemic um but yes uh kofi.com forward slash toby where you can uh you can uh, chuck a few coppers into my virtual hat uh anytime you're feeling flush or generous or pity pit, feeling pitiful feeling feeling pity towards me doesn't matter um yeah do do that kofi patreon <laughs> Uh, what costs you nothing, though? And I know times are tough, and they really are. And so uh, I'm just grateful to you for listening. I do like a podcast, and I hope this uh, 
if COVID has taught us nothing, it's that um, nothing else. It's that actually Doctor Who and sharing Doctor Who over the Internet and through broadcasts and sort of group uh, group activity. I loved uh, Emily Cook's uh, tweet alongs that she did and, and special things that she put together uh, and other Doctor Who people as well. I really felt part of a community, which is what inspired me to do these. Um, and uh, if if you know, if that's the feeling you're getting and the stuff that you're enjoying, uh, please point other people towards these uh, at iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Five star reviews really help. Uh, they're worth their weight in gold because they uh, they, fr- they they hoik us up the algorithm ladder uh, and uh, a few lines of review as well to give people an idea of what they're getting. Just, you know, it, it, it really does um, help to separate these from what is a very crowded room full of Doctor Who podcasts all vying for attention all very good there's some brilliant ones out there I listen to many myself uh, but if you could uh, yeah if you could flag these up tell your friends go into cyberspace and holler uh, about what you like about Toby Haydock's time travels I'd be very grateful indeed you can also come and see me do comedy at Excess Monarchy Comedy Club in Manchester every Tuesday uh, and on twitch.tv forward slash Excess Monarchy there is an archive of the comedians we had doing the shows that we put on during the pandemic when we were all stuck indoors and seeking some sort of, you know, communally shared entertainment. And we had some brilliant comics on there. So uh, twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. Right, I've got to go back to bed now because I'm supposed to be ill. I'm recording this clandestinely downstairs. It does sound like I live, <laughs> I've, done, I've done a few of these in this session and I'm alluding to the fact that my other half, who's just sort of looking after me, uh, is, is some sort of prison warder who tells me off. Um, she is a bit like a prison warder and she does tell me off quite a lot. Um, but also, she doesn't listen to these podcasts. I know, I know how many times... Have I had to watch things that she's in? But does she, has she listened to my commentary on the war machines? Has she? Blum, blum in the, can I say can I say buggery? I think I can say buggery. They've had buggery in Doctor Who, haven't they? Well, well, <laughs> have they had buggery? In, well, that's a behind-the-scenes uh, documentary that we never made. Um, uh, but the, um, she, she said keep buggering on, didn't he, in... Uh, in uh, the, the the one with the, the 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 abandoned Daleks that's what they should call that the Daleks that seemed like a good idea at the time um uh yes the the yeah the the, the one that started like power of the Daleks at war and then changed into an advert for a new range of toys um with fat backs um and in fact I described them as fat backs in my review for Doc 2 magazine and they changed that to fat bums and had I been like Giles Curran I would have switched off and Mrs. saying why I think fat back is much funnier than fat bum but um, I, I didn't I think I did say to Peter Ware just by the way leave the jokes to me but um, <laughs> uh, I certainly didn't do it if you don't know what I'm alluded to with the Giles Curran thing there's a there's a thing where he I think they changed a piece of punctuation on a piece of his and he sent off a very um, uh, petty and um, petulant uh, uh, response to this where he I think it's fair to say doesn't come out of it very well Uh, so why did I get onto Giles Corrin at the end of a podcast about a brilliant episode of 
Doctor Who. Uh, I've got no idea. Um, anyway, I think there's enough blather. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's a tradition I've sort of got myself caught up in, isn't it? Doing this um, this post credits nonsense, and it it really is nonsense. But there we go. So I didn't do a Giles Corrin, except I sort of did. I did mention it to Peter, but uh, I like to think I was quite sporting about it. But isn't that that's passive aggressive? Giles Corrin has by not being Giles Corrin, but still doing what he did by going. Ah, oh, I think fat 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 backs is funnier than fat bums. Uh, I'm still doing it, but but sort of going. But look, I'm a nice guy. Ah, oh, so I'm awful. I am, I am Giles. I'm Giles Corrin. I don't even know if Giles Corrin's that bad. But no, actually. Well, no, he might be, but I don't want to. No, I'm not. It's not my. Th- I don't want to start slagging somebody off who I don't even know. That's what. That's what public discourse has too much of. Um, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get engaged in that because that's so much comedy is now going. Isn't that person awful? This is celebratory. This is positive. Um, so let's let's do more of that. Um, and yes. Oh, <sighs> that. Uh, that didn't end up where I'd started, did it? Anyway, um, yeah, I'm going. I'm I'm going to have a cup of tea, and I'm going to go to bed. Good goodbye. He might be very nice. That's all I'm saying. And even if he isn't, it's nothing to do with me. And I don't think it becomes me to allude to somebody else's shortcomings when I've got plenty of my own, as evidenced by whatever this is.